0: Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, listen. Uh, we are really glad and honored to have with us our general superintendent, uh, Doug Clay. Uh, Doug, of course, the general, the Assemblies of God is worldwide. Doug is over the the U.S. part of the Assemblies of God, the largest uh, general council that we have. Uh, he over gives oversight to thirty-seven thousand preachers and thirteen thousand churches. That gives me a headache just saying that. Okay. Uh, We have over 2,000 missionary units, 18 Bible colleges. Our headquarters is in Springfield, Missouri. We have 500, 600 people that work at our headquarters in Springfield. And uh, I have been a part of the Assemblies of God my entire life. My ordination is there. Our church is part of the Assemblies of God Fellowship. It is the largest spirit-filled evangelical movement around the world and growing. I gave you some statistics on that uh, last week, but uh, uh-huh. I ask Doug to come and share because he has a, a compelling life story that, that uh, fits with Father's Day, and uh, he's just a very humble person. Took him to Hobbit. We had wings last night, okay? And, uh, but after the service, we're going to have prayer, and then Doug is going to be in the uh, foyer and just say hello to you, wants to, wants to meet you guys. But uh, we're very honored to have our superintendent with us this morning. Would you make welcome to Generations Church, our superintendent, Doug Clay.
1: Praise the Lord. Thank you.
0: Hey, can we do something this morning?
1: Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise, all right? He is the head of the church, and um, absolutely. Wow, what a privileged opportunity to be here at Generations Church and just to connect, reconnect, actually, with your pastor and um, several people. It's, you know, here's what I can tell you. Great churches aren't built accidentally, it takes the blessing and the favor of the Lord. And, you know, ever since we came on campus and walked around through the kids' area with donuts with Dad, and, and I got some Girlie's lemonade from the BGMC table, can I just tell you, there's a sense of God's presence on this campus. You could just sense the presence of the Lord that you brought with you. The other thing that makes for a great church is people, people that understand that the church is the body of Christ and it's the primary instrument that God's using to build his kingdom here on earth. So thank you for being so healthy, for being life-giving, for being outward focus in terms of all of your missional activity. But I can also tell you that it takes called and capable leadership. So when you put the blessing of the Lord a community of people that understand what a church is and called and capable leadership, that's a recipe for a great church. And Generations Church, can I tell you, when it comes to called and capable leadership, you have the absolute best setting right down there in the front row. (laughs) Pastor Brian and Miss Becky, thank you. I got to tell you, I'm in a different church, a couple of them, two or three times a week. I'm with pastors all the time. It is so refreshing to hear a pastor brag about his people. You know, I'm always, it's a safe place for someone to just to kind of vent, but, uh, man, Pastor Brown, oh, man, my board, the best board I've ever had. Boy, these people. It was just this download of a love fest that he has for you. And now being here this morning, I can see why. I really do believe that the best is yet to come for Generations Church. There's been a great foundation that is laid, but I really believe coming out of this post-pandemic and whatever that looks like, God is going to bring you into some of your greatest missionally fruitful years to not just be a healthy local church, but a church that's having a global impact that's receiving interns from Europe, that's expanding the kingdom of God around the world. So thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's already been uh, stated Happy Father's Day. You know, as I was reflecting on that this morning, no one person on earth, no one person on earth has as great of an opportunity to influence a child's idea about God as does a father. In fact, Paul writes in Ephesians 6, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Bring them up with the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, parents, have you ever asked yourself, are you really sure if your kids are getting it? (laughs) I got this Father's Day. I don't know if it's a part of the. uh, I got this Father's Day card for my youngest daughter. And I I wonder sometimes does she get it? The Father's Day picture on the front of the card says Happy Father's Day to the one many say I resemble. Do we have that? No problem if we don't, but it's kind of comical. I have two girls. I have seven grandchildren, ages 10 to 3. Any grandparents in the house? Can I see? Isn't grandparenting wonderful? (laughs) I've discovered the reason why grandparents and grandkids get along so well. We have the same common enemy their parents. (laughs) It's a great honor to be a spiritual dad, to be a biological dad, to be a dad to to kids who have the absence of a father in their life. But I gotta tell you, on this Father's Day, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about a national emergency, actually an epidemic. An epidemic, you know, by definition, is a negative phenomenon that affects many people in a community or an area And I would submit to you that in the United States, we have a fatherless epidemic. Consider some of these stats. 20 million children in the United States are living in a fatherless home. Consider this stat. 90% of homeless and runaway children are fatherless. 71% of all adolescent substance abusers come from a fatherless home. And 80% of adolescent uh, psychiatric hospitals come from fatherless homes. So honestly... Fatherhood is a whole lot more than just recognizing a group of guys on a Sunday with a card or some chocolate or, or a tool. Fatherhood is foundational to the health of a society, and it's critical when it comes to leaving a spiritual legacy. Two scriptures as a foundation that I'd like to lay for our message this morning. Proverbs 13, says, a good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. <laughs> and Proverbs 20, verse seven, the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Your righteousness, your integrity is not just a personal thing it impacts and affects others. So on this Father's Day morning, I, I want to I do something unique. I want to take a look at fatherhood and parallel it by looking at our heavenly father. Heavenly father. After all, Jesus taught his disciples when to pray. He said, our father. One of the most important creeds in church History, Christian history, begins with this phrase, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. So would you let me this morning talk to you about fatherhood, not just from a natural, masculine, biological, reproducing children type father, but a parallel with God, the Father. When you consider some of the fatherhood principles that are reflected in God the Father, these things come to my mind. Number one, a good father keeps his word. A good father keeps his word. Aren't you thankful this morning that we serve a God who doesn't lie? We serve a God who doesn't break his promises. Have you ever been the victim of a broken promise? that hurts. You see, when someone breaks a promise, it's usually, it's usually because they have a lack of ability or a lack of integrity. You see, what do you mean, Doug Clay? Well, if somebody makes a promise to you they don't come through, they're either not following through on their word, that's integrity, or they don't have the resources to back up what they said they would do, that's ability. But I'm here to remind you this morning, we serve a God who's got both the integrity and the ability to back up every single promise in his word. And I suspect I discovered the power of God's integrity and ability in my own life my freshman year in college. Now, this is my story. I'm a third-generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. So I was born and raised in the church. I, I cut my teeth on the back of church pews. Um, When the services got going a little too long, particularly the altar time, I knew which Sunday school teacher served the best snacks, so I would sneak out, I would find that supply closet, and I would chow down on Chips Ahoy cookies. I'm telling you, I love the church. Every major impacting event of my life took place in the church. I was dedicated as a baby in the church. I was saved in the church, baptized in the church, baptized in the Holy Spirit in the church, received my call into the ministry in the church. I loved the church. When I was nine years old, my dad, the pastor, died suddenly of a massive heart attack. I was 9, my brother was 15, my sister was 18. But I got to tell you, growing up in a healthy church, much like Generations Church, I never really felt the negative impact of being raised by a single mom because I had a lot of spiritual dads in the church. Spiritual fathers, men who helped me build my Pinewood Derby car, men who would take me to Detroit Tiger baseball games, men who would take me on father-son campouts. This sounds crazy. I kind of felt sorry for kids who only had one dad. (laughs) (laughs) And can I just sort of pause here for a moment and say, if you're here today and you're a single mom, I wanna encourage you with two thoughts. Number one, you are my hero. And secondly, you can make it. You can make it. I believe that there is a dispensation of God's grace that's given to single moms who have double duty, but I'm going to promise you, you need the so- support and the strength of a church like this, of a kids' ministry like this, of a youth ministry like this, to come around and be complimentary to what you're doing. See say, how can you say that with such confidence? Because I'm the product. So dad died when I was nine. My mom stayed on staff. I grew up in the church, never felt dysfunction, felt the call of God on my life to go into ministry. So I took off and I went to Bible college. And that's when it happened. I started meeting other preacher's kids. In fact, my roommate was a preacher's kid from Illinois, so on weekends, he would go home, and his dad would give him an opportunity to take part in the service. His dad would give him an opportunity to be a part of board meetings and staff meetings, and he'd come back. We'd stay up late Sunday night, early hours Monday morning, just talking church stuff. He would say things like, my dad said this is how we had to do assimilation. My dad said, this is how we ought to do leadership development. My dad said, this is how we ought to do community outreach. My dad said, my dad said, my dad. And for one of the first times in my life, I felt like I was cheated by God. I thought, Lord, I would like a dad that would walk out these spiritual principles with me. I would like a dad that would mentor me in this pastoral process. Now listen to me, friends. One of the reasons why your pastor places such a high priority on Scripture One of the reasons why your pastor will take time and go through the book of Acts and his teaching and and provide scriptures to explain the gifts of the Spirit, it's because this, when you go through difficult times in life, if you're not careful, you'll have a tendency to want to listen to yourself rather than the truth of God's word. And I don't know about you, but myself lies to me at times. Myself doesn't always tell me, but God's word will never lie. So I'm I'm feeling sorry for myself. I don't have a dad. I'd like a dad that would mentor me in this pastoral pursuit. And I had talked myself into quitting school, going home and taking care of my mom. I'll never forget, I called home one Wednesday night. I said, Mom, this doesn't make sense. Why would God do something so unjust to our family? Why would God do something like this to us? My mom, who was a great pastor's wife and godly mother, said, you know, honey, I can't answer all your why questions, but I can promise you this. And my mom broke into this really cool prayer. Her prayer went something like this, Lord, you said in your word, I got to tell you, I grew up with my mom using that phrase an awful lot. But can I tell you something? I'm the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, but i got to confess, I don't think everything my mom said was in the book was really in the book, okay? (laughs) I think sometimes she said that just to get her way with us boys. (laughs) (laughs) But in this prayer, Lord, you said in your word, and then it came out, you'd be a father to the fatherless. And I claim that promise for my son, Doug well, we hung up. When we hung up, can I tell you I didn't feel any better. By now, I was not processing the reality of my situation through the truth of Scripture. I was processing it only through my emotions. And I'd gone from being grieved to anger to now feeling like a victim, and it impacted my prayer life. I'll never forget, I was in a chapel at Central Bible College and there was a missionary that was there and all the students were walking forward singing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. And you know what? I didn't. I just turned around and I knelt in my chapel seat. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I wasn't even praying. I was just venting frustration to God. God, this stinks. God, why? You're not fair, God. I had been in that knelt position for a few moments when all of a sudden I felt the strength and the warmth of this large hand placed on my back. I turned around and I looked and there was Coach Arnold Forrest Arnold, six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds, a hulk of a man. He was the athletic director and the basketball coach at Central Bible College, and he had his paw, I mean his hand on my back. And he was old school Pentecost because while he was praying for me, he was pushing on my back at the same time. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, I had the, I was the only kid in elementary school growing up that was never checked for scoliosis because I got aligned every Sunday night at the altar by the deacons of the church. <laughs> Coach had his hand there, and I turned around and I looked. When I looked up, he had a crocodile tear coming down his cheek. He said, Duggar... I knew your dad. I know your mom. Both of them would be really proud of you. And then he took his hand and he put it on my shoulder and he pulled me really tight into himself. And he said, I just want you to know that as long as you are at Central Bible College, I consider you like my own son. And when he said, son... I jumped up and I tried to hug him and he hugged me and I snotted and cried all down the front of his shirt. But church, can I tell you, in that embrace... It was like instant replay going off in my mind that 48 hours earlier there was a godly mom who said, Lord, you said in your word. Listen, I can't promise you that life is going to be hassle-free. I can't promise you that there's not going to be some new regulations regarding health stipulations. I can't promise you that there's not going to be laws that sort of make it harder for, for religious freedoms to take place. I can't promise you that good people aren't going to disappoint you. But listen to me today. Here's what I can and promise you those mountains may crumble and seas run dry. It's the word of our God that stands forever. We have a God who has the integrity and the ability to back up every single promise in his book. And so when I look at fatherhood at a horizontal level and parallel it to fatherhood from a vertical lever, I am thankful that a good, good father keeps his word. So I challenge you men, just as God the Father has kept his word to us, be the type of man, be the type of father that keeps your word to those closest to you. A good, good father. There's a second parallel. When you look at the father nature of God the Father and consider fatherhood here on earth, a good father proves that he wants to be with you. A good father demonstrates that he wants to be with you. A good father, a heavenly father, demonstrates his love by being with you. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God that after creating humanity and then when humanity fell, didn't just wipe us out and start all over? He said, no, I want to be with you. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come from heaven to earth, to dwell among us, to take on the form of humanity. Why? Because he wanted to be with us. And when Jesus left the earth, he said, look, I still want to be with you, so I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit's not some idle spectator of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit isn't just somebody that shows up through a few sign gifts on Sunday morning. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead who lives inside of us when we say yes to Jesus, demonstrating that. God wants to be with us. It's the presence of the Lord. That's why we were singing that song earlier about just being in his presence, there's something warm about that because God the Father has demonstrated he wants to be with us. Not just here on earth but in all eternity. In fact, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. To his disciples, who when he was getting ready to go, he said, because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you can be also. God proves his presence. You see, omnipresence, being an omnipresent God. Omnipresence isn't just an attribute that describes the nature of God. It's a life reality. Let me put it to you this way. God never has to go anywhere to be there because he's already there. when you say God's an omnipresent God, that's not just a theological concept. That means that God is right here, right now, right next to you, as close as the mention of his name. Presence. Presence.
0: Hmm.
1: And sometimes in life and in culture today, when you can't explain it, when you have family members divided over the issues, when you got to really guard what kind of conversations you have at the family meal, lest it turn into some great divide, sometimes what we need most is just the presence, the presence of God. I suspect I discovered the power of presence through my, uh, through my oldest grandson, uh, Jackson. I already told you why I think grandparents and grandkids get along so well. Well, Jackson is the oldest grandson, and about 3 years ago when he was 5 years old, Jackson and I decided that it would be okay for for he and I for him to have an overnighter at Papa's house without his parents. Now, it took a lot of convincing his mom, my firstborn. It took a lot of convincing, but we tag-teamed up, and we finally convinced her to be okay for Jackson to have an overnighter at Papa's house. Oh, I'll never forget, I went over to pick him up, and when I pulled in the driveway, he was standing there in the doorway. His Spider-Man backpack was just crammed full of stuff, and it was exciting. I pulled in, and I said, Jackson. He said, Papa, Papa. I said, Jackson, you ready to come to Papa's house? He said, yes, I am. So I walked up to the door. I grabbed his hand. We turned and started to walk away, and his mom. (laughs) My firstborn. Cleared her throat and said, Dad, Dad. And I said, yeah. She handed me a three-by-five card with a set of six very specific instructions. I thought I raised her better than that. I started reading these instructions. I got down to instruction number three. Dad, comma. After 6 p.m., please make sure you put two parts water, one part apple juice in his sippy cup. I thought, first of all, we don't do mixed drinks at Papa's house. We're 100% Dr. Pepper at Papa's house. Hey, and after today, I'm going to be 100% Girlie's Lemonade at Papa's house. That stuff is good. Two par- Yeah, okay, babe, I got it. We got in the truck. I tore that sucker up. I said, come on, Jackson. We're going to have fun at Papa's house. And we did. We played hide-and-go-seek. We played wiffle ball. We watched Paw Patrol cartoons. I mean, it couldn't be going any better. He got his jammies on. He got ready for bed at just about the time that he was to retire. A southwest Missouri thunderstorm whipped up. I mean, a doozy of a storm. Loud thunder, flashing lightning, and I could tell Jackson was a little anxious. I said, little buddy, you want to sleep in Papa's room? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. So I built this little sleeping area just on my side of the bed. A couple blankets, a few pillows. I said, now, little buddy, lay down. He'd lay down. Boom, a crack of thunder in it. He'd jump up. I said, little buddy, you're okay. Lay down. Flashlighting. He'd jump up. This happened about four times. Finally, about the fifth time that he jumped up, I, I, I said something. Now, you know, preachers sometimes have that habit. We say something, we can't reel it back in. I don't know where this came from. What I told him makes no meteorological sense, certainly makes no theological sense. It just, just sort of came out. He popped up. I could tell he was scared. I said, Jackson, you don't have to be afraid of thunder. Listen, little buddy, thunder is nothing more than just God moving his furniture up in heaven. (laughs) Don't judge me, Grandma. Don't judge me. You would have put Robitussin in that sippy cup, so don't judge me. He went, oh, okay. He laid back down. Next crack of thunder, he didn't jump up. I'm like, cool, I'll let his kid's pastor work on his theology. I just want him to go to sleep. So he lays down, flash of lightning, he doesn't pop up. I, this is great. This is great. So I roll over. and Come on, grandparents, you know we have an extra sense. There was a crack of thunder that reverberated for about four seconds, and although I'm laying there, I could feel a set of eyes looking at me. I could just, just feel. And when I rolled over, sure enough, he wasn't standing all the way up. He was just looking above the mattress, just looking... Boy, his eyes were big. He was big. And, and I rolled over, and I started to say something. He says, Papa, do you think that I could lay with you till God quits moving his furniture? <laughs> I said, you bet, little buddy. So I picked him up, and I plopped him down in my bed, and within 30 seconds, he was out. I couldn't convince the little tyke that the storm on the outside wouldn't hurt him on the inside. But as long as he was in close proximity to Papa, it gave him the sense of security to be able to rest comfortably and fall asleep. I'm telling you, friends, sometimes... The greatest thing you need is just to come into the presence of the Lord. The greatest thing you need is just to invite the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you to make known the presence of God. He really is as close as the mention of his name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous can run and are safe. And I'll tell you, when you're in the presence of God, his talk becomes louder than self-talk. And sometimes what you need in life is to let God talk be, quiet, be louder than self-talk. Self-talk's discouraging. Self-talk is, is, is the talk of condemnation. Self-talk it accentuates everything that's real. God talk accentuates faith. God talk accentuates what his ability is. God talk reminds you that you're a child of God and that nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So a good, good father, a heavenly father, proved and continues to prove that he wants to be with you. And so to the men of this church, those who are fathers and have the potential to be fathers, I pray that you would prove your love for the next generation by being present. Maybe you're here and Your children are grown. Maybe you're here and you don't have any children. Can I tell you, there's some single moms who bring their kids here who would love nothing more than you to be a father figure in their kid's life. Society needs that. Culture needs that. The church needs that. And I pray that God will raise up in this church a generation of godly men who prove their love by being present. By being present. There's a third parallel when you study the fatherhood of God the Father and kind of parallel it to a good, good father here on earth, and that's this. A good father gives his best energies to your deepest disappointment. Simply put, a good father gives his best to your worst. The best energies. That was proven at salvation. Paul puts it this way, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That verse starts by saying God has demonstrated his love for us. God has proven his love for us. What's the worst? All sins, all fallen short of the kingdom of God. All sins have a place in the lake of fire, but God demonstrated his best by giving his son. Have you ever noticed that with adults, well, actually with kids too, that your attitude can get you in trouble? Anybody know somebody whose attitude gets them in trouble at times? I heard about a father who came home came home to his two young children and his wife, and he had a horrible day at work, and they all could tell that he had a horrible day at work because when he came home, he was tired, he was frustrated. He yelled at the mom. The mom yelled at the older brother. The older brother yelled at the sister. The sister kicked the dog. The dog scratched the cat. The cat scratched the baby. The baby bit Barbie's head right off the doll. And the mom said, You know, it'd been a whole lot easier if you'd have just come home and bit Barbie's head off yourself. <laughs> Can you imagine how God must have felt just days after creating humanity? And you know that, and of all creation, God looked at humanity and said, That's good. He spoke the words into existence. He, he spoke light and plant and water and all that. But he created man in his own image. And when he was done, he said, that's good. But can you imagine how he must have felt that just a few days later, man sinned? <laughs> Man rejected all the goodness of God. Man actually rejected God's counsel. God said, this is the garden. This is dominion. You have dominion over all of this. And there's this one thing. Stay away from this tree. Stay away from that fruit. But everything else, and within days after pronouncing that man is good, man rejects his counsel, man lies to him, and man tries to hide from him. If you're an earthly father, can you imagine how it must have felt? You ever had your kids reject your counsel, lie to you, hide from you? God could have said, forget it. I'm going to wipe you out. There's only two of you. I'm going to wipe out and start all over with a new race, one that will appreciate me, one that will will, will be grateful for all that I'm providing for them. I can't imagine all of the the emotions God must have been going through. But in the worst of humanity, God the Father gives his best. And all the way back even in Genesis chapter 3, You see the love that God has for humanity and that he says, you know what? The enemy has found his way in to put a wedge between us, but I'm going to step on the enemy's head and I'm going to find a way to renew my relationship with you. You see, dads, some of your deepest disappointments are going to come from those who are closest to you. And if you're not careful, you can get filled with resentment and want to seek revenge, or you can parallel what God the Father did and said, you know what, I'm going to give my best energies to some of the deepest disappointments that I get. Revenge or get better. I heard a story this week of a young couple Uh, They had gotten into a fight, or a little tiff, they got into a little tiff, and uh, they started giving each other the silent treatment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They just, they sort of gave each other the silent treatment. Well, on that Saturday morning, the husband was going to meet some of his friends, and they were going on a fishing trip. But he had to meet them at 5 a.m. So he was going to get up at 4.30 a.m., meet them at 5. It was a big fishing trip with the guys, and he he, he was notorious for oversleeping, and so he wanted to say something to his wife about waking him up, but he didn't want to be the first to talk to break the silent treatment that they were giving to each other. (laughs) So when he went to bed, he wrote on a 3 by 5 card, Hey, can you wake me up at 4.30? And he signed his name. He went to bed. He fell asleep. The next morning, he woke up, and sure enough, it was like 5.30. He had overslept. He was mad. He was frustrated. He rolled over, and he was just about to lay out his wife when he noticed she wasn't there, but that 3x5 card was there, and on the back of the 3x5 card, it read, good morning, darling. It's 4.30 a.m., Resentment never works. Revenge never works. Resentment and revenge is like swallowing poison and then waiting for the other person to die. But God demonstrated his love to us and that, wow, we are yet sinners. Christ died for us. I go back to my story My mom today is 90 years old, walks four miles every day, called me yesterday, honey, where are you speaking tomorrow? I want to jump online and watch that. She's still very involved in the ministry. When I was elected as the 13th general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, I invited my mom to come and be a part of the inauguration. I've never seen an 84 year old mom smile so much and cry so many tears as as I saw her sitting on the front row. As we were driving back to the airport, she was in a real sentimental mood. Honey, your dad would be really proud of you, honey. So I was trying to flip the conversation. I said, Mom, do you remember right after dad died? the church wasn't really sure what they were going to do. My, my mom's notorious for saying, yes, honey, but God is faithful. God is faithful. I said, I know, but do you remember when some of those board members didn't think you should stick around and they wanted, honey, 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 God is faithful. God is faithful. Then I went for the jugular. I named some people's names. And I named, I named some acts of, uh, let's just say, less than Christ-likeness that was done. I said, Mom, but do you remember when brother and sister such and such... Decided that they wanted to and all that. And my mom took her hand and she slapped my dashboard. She said, honey, if I would have rehearsed all of the negative stuff that I went through in life and ministry, you wouldn't be where you're at today. And I thought, mic drop right there. But I thought, it's true. You see, moods leak. Attitudes leak. And God the Father demonstrated his best to our worst. And today you and I are the recipients of knowing what it's like to live in a life of grace because of that. Disappointments are a part of life. It's a part of fathering. It's a part of all of that. But how you handle them is huge. So this morning, I'm deeply, deeply grateful that God keeps his word. I'm deeply grateful that God the Father proved that he wants to be with me. And I'm deeply, deeply grateful that God demonstrated his best in our worst. I thought about this this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team if they would come. What's the difference between a man and a father? A man shares his DNA when he becomes a father. But a man who's a real father gives his life to his kids. I'm grateful that God didn't just share his DNA in our creation made in the image of God but he shared his life. He gave his one and his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So on this Father's Day, we have a great example. You may not have had a good example in your life. You may have grown up with a single parent. You may have grown up having some, some difficult, strained, very abusive Interactions with your Father. It's okay. Take a look at your Heavenly Father. Allow His great love for you, His ability to keep His word, His desire to get close to you, to somehow eclipse what you may have missed in an earthly father. why is it important to talk about the fatherhood of God? And I leave you with this thought, because how you view God is critically important. You see, how you view God impacts how you portray God. So how you view him is how you're going to betray him. If you view him as one that keeps his word, if you view him as one that, that comes through, as you view him as one, like my mom says, he's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful, you're going to portray him that way. And today I'm the recipient of a godly mom who portrayed for me a view of God that she had even as a single mom, that God was faithful, that God will get you through, and that if you hitch your emotions to the word of God, that will anchor you in your difficult times. So I pray on this Father's Day, whatever your view is of your earthly father don't stop there take a look up at your heavenly father hey let's pray together lord thank you for privileging me this special opportunity to connect here at generations church thank you for the great work that you're doing in this church the global as well as the local as well as the global uh, impact that this church is having Lord, before we transition, before we give away some things and celebrate, I want to pray for two groups of people. I want to pray, first of all, for anyone, whether they're here in person or watching online and they don't have a relationship with you. They've never come to that place in their life where they know for certain if they were to die today, they would spend eternity in heaven. God, if that's them, then this final prayer is for them. Church, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and if you're watching online, don't don't toggle away right now. I I want you to kind of lean into this moment. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Clay, would you include me in your final prayer? I've never come to that place in my life where I know for certain if I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. Man, I can't imagine going through life without that confidence. I can't imagine just just journeying through what we journey through in this world without that. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. But if you are here or if you're watching online and you'd say, Doug Clay, please include me in your final prayer. I want to know that I know that I know that I belong to him. He belongs to me. And I've been adopted into his forever family. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you'd say, Doug, please include me in your prayer. I want to have that kind of an assurance relationship with God. Just raise your hand, would you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Someone join these four adults and say, include me, include me in your final prayer. I want to know Christ. Yeah, thank you, young man, as my Savior, not just my, not just Lord, not just an omnipresent God. I want to know him as right here, right now, living inside of me. If you're watching online and you want to pray this prayer, just send a thumbs-up emoji or a prayer emoji so we know to include you. So cool. Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer is for five people, but I'm going to ask the entire church to repeat this prayer with me because it's a simple prayer acknowledging the Lordship of Christ to come into our lives. So Generations Church, would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came from heaven to earth to die for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my life and establish yourself as my Savior and my Lord. So with my mouth I confess, and in my heart I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. I accept your free gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, let's put our hands together. It's a great place. Great place. Hallelujah. Boy, if you prayed that prayer, and um, I'd love for you to meet some of the pastors, or I'd love to just shake your hand and welcome you to the family of God. And I know one of the core values of this church is to help you understand what it means to follow Christ and the purpose that he has for your life and how to live with that kind of confidence. Hey, the last thing I'd love to do today, if you're here, if you're a a dad, if you're a grandpa, you're a dad, you, you have the joy of being a father, would you stand to your feet, please? Just all over the building, all the dads standing there. Hey, can all the rest of us give them a hand clap of praise? Stay standing if you will. I just want to pray a blessing. I just want to pray a blessing on you. Father, I bless this incredible group of men in this room. And although it feels in today's culture that fatherhood's being attacked in a lot of different ways, I pray that the influence, the influence that you have deposited into the office and the role and the function of fathers would be lived out. May this church be a richer church because of the influence of all of the dads that are standing. And I thank you. Help them to keep their word. Help them to prove they want to be in the presence of their children and grandchildren. Oh God, thank you for that. And when their biggest hurts come from those who are closest to them, help them to give their best in attitude and action. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated.
0: Thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.